5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Nothing like a uh, throwdown Thursday to get you ready for the uh, football weekend ahead. Week three for colleges. Uh, week two for the NFL. Something like week five for the high schools, maybe. Uh, another full weekend of football. Stim to Stern on our IBX media stations. Uh, welcome in, everybody. Great to have you with us. Patrick Johnson Show. Keith Morehouse will be with us today. Keith, uh, you might remember back last year, came to Greenville and did the documentary, did interviews for the documentary on the Marshall plane crash that happened in mid-November of 1971. Of course, the two programs were scheduled to play in week zero last year as a commemoration of the 50th anniversary of that tragedy because Marshall was leaving ECU in Greenville. Actually flew out of Kinston, but they just played a game uh, here in uh, Greenville at uh, Old Ficklin Stadium. And uh, the plane crash uh, tragically occurred, 75 aboard killed. And uh, Keith just did a marvelous, marvelous documentary on uh, that last year. It aired, I think, on WITN here since they're owned by the same uh, company. We'll get into all that with him coming up. Uh, look who's over yonder there, across the glass. It's uh, the one and only, the golden locks of the ref himself, Philip Pilkington. What's up, ref? How's it going, Patrick? How are you? I'm good. Uh, I'm ready to get to the uh, the weekend so we can have our Bush Light pregame show. I'm a little re- excited for some pirate football. What a segue. All right, so that's coming up Saturday at 3. Of course, you'll hear it right here on the game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. East Carolina and Marshall, our coverage will begin promptly at three bells. And then uh, Terrence Copper and I will lead you through the fastest two hours in radio, fueled this year by Bush Light. Uh, Lots of great features, lots of great segments, and uh, interviews to get you ready for the Pirates and uh, the Thundering Herd. Marshall, 2-0. The Pirates are uh, 0-2. In that one, we're going to have our Pirate Report coming up, too, uh, on uh, this matchup, ECU and uh, Marshall. Marshall, of course, coming off a win against uh, NC Central. I think what was more impressive was the fact that they just curb-stomped Navy in their building uh, to open the season. Uh, Pirates, tough luck loser last week. We'll see how it goes uh, this week as the uh, Pirates uh, will try to, to notch that first in the win column this year. And again, more on that. You know, uh, there are some interesting matchups. Auburn-Penn State's a big one this weekend. Um, it's a couple of other, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing, in addition, you know, to hoping ECU can win. We'll listen to the game, of course, but if you want to watch it, I guess you can watch it on Facebook. That's the new, that's a thing now, right? You know, it was funny, years ago I got uh, just kind of scoffed at because I would go and do an internet broadcast for you know, maybe some uh, D3 type of broadcast. Oh, look at this dork doing D3 basketball or whatever. Now everybody's on streaming. Everything's streaming. Yeah, it pays as great as the TV money, I can tell you that, but it's still not bad money if you get in the right circumstance. Um, but remember, well, you probably are way too young for this, Philip. There was a time when Thursday night 
was college football's night. You had a big game to kick off the college football weekend, and it was the showcase game. ESPN made that the showcase. ECU was on it many times. Uh, but you'd get an ACC game, maybe an SEC game occasionally, a Big Ten game. It always seemed like Virginia Tech played a lot of Thursday night games yeah, back they did. in the day. They sure did. I, uh, no, I am I am just old enough to remember that because I remember when I was a kid, the right. only time you got Thursday NFL football was Thanksgiving, and then I remember them starting to do the Thursday night Thanksgiving game after the Dallas game. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I remember back when college football was the thing to do Thursday nights. It was. It no longer is. I mean, I think we've got Lafayette, Ohio tonight is the uh, the big uh, fun belt maction. Uh, intersectional matchup tonight. I mean, it's not a bad game. Look, that, that thing will still draw better than a lot of college basketball games will. I mean, people still will watch it. But you have kind of brand-name football tonight. Well, what used to be brand-name football, now two historic franchises and a longtime rivalry with the Giants and the artist formerly known as the Redskins, the Washington football team. Uh, so that'll pop a big number tonight, quite obviously. And even though those teams are, eh, I guess the Saquon Barkley thing is one of the big storylines there, right? That's probably it. Well, that's it, and seeing how the football team will do now that Fitzmagic <laughs> is gone. But the big thing is that game is only on NFL Network, so a lot of people oh, have to watch yeah. college if they don't get the NFL Network. That's a good point, the NFL Network. You're right. That's This is not a Fox situation. Did you see where the number last Thursday popped a huge, huge number? It was like $26 million. Watch the boys and uh, – Tom Terrific in Tampa Bay. It's a huge number. It is, but you know, anytime you put the Cowboys in prime time, you know, there's Cowboy fans in every corner of the globe, and then well, you got with the Tom way Brady. with the way Brady has rehabbed his image. You know, there's people now less hate watching Brady because he's no longer the Patriots, so they're kind of rooting for the old guy. So there you go. There's uh, there is that. Now, I am being hollered at by the suits that we have to go ahead and get the early break because I don't want to back us up at the end. Plus, I want to leave plenty of time for Keith Morehouse. So uh, we will grab a, a a quick break here. How do you, if you had to go one way or the other tonight, though, the the G men or the, uh, the the team, the uh, the Washington football team? Excuse me, the football team. Which way would you go? I've been debating this one all week. It's been yeah. the toughest pick of the week for me. But uh, even though they don't have fence magic, I'm slightly leaning towards Washington. I think okay. they have the better team all around. I agree with you. I, I think the Giants just have a lot of. A lot of issues they still have to work out. And Washington is Washington's not as bad as an 0-2 start would indicate. I mean, they can't get beat, but they, they would think they'd win a game like this even though it's a divisional game and that sort of thing. How about uh, your guys this weekend? Oh, we're uh, we just don't stand a chance. You don't think ja- so? Now that Jameis Winston has had LASIK eye surgery, the man <laughs> can see, and he is going to be the Jameis Winston that we all thought he was going to be. Uh, by the way, a new, uh, a fresh edition has dropped today on ninety four three The Game, or wherever you download your favorite podcast of On the Prowl with uh, Ben B Baby Byram, uh, the uh, one and only ref Philip Pilkington, and KC. So you guys. Uh, are breaking down the Panthers week one, preview in week two. Check that out on our uh, website, 943thegame.com. Okay, time out. When we come back, we'll hear from the coordinators ahead of this ECU Marshall game. Donnie Kirkpatrick and Blake Harrell on the other side. We'd appreciate it if anyone hearing this broadcast would communicate with us. 
More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of the ECU Pirates. We are very anxious to know how far the broadcast is reaching. 94.3 The Game. And 94.3thegame.com. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Coverage of ECU and Marshall begins at 3 o'clock here on the flagship of the Pirates, 94.3 The Game. You can hear the game beginning at uh, 5 o'clock with uh, network pregame coverage on 94.3, also 107.9 WNCT. Pirates are a 9.5-point dog heading to Huntington, over under at 55-and-a-half. Entertainment purposes only. ECU leads the all-time series 10-5. And it seems like Marshall's kind of dominated the series, but in recent times, you know, they kind of have. Pirates have lost their last two trips to Huntington, including a 59-28 curb stomping to end the season in 2013. In fact, Marshall was playing for an Eastern Division Conference USA title that day. Uh, of course, the GMAC Bowl kind of comes to mind. That was the infamous uh, uh, blowing of the halftime lead. It's a tough deal. So, Mark, I, you know what? We need to because we need to because this is going to be timed out. I, I'm going to start. Let's start over. In home games, just some things to consider if you're, yeah, you know, for entertainment purposes only. Maybe you're betting a, a sandwich at lunch or. Maybe you're making a trip to Vegas you this might weekend. Be. Or or Cherokee if you don't have the Vegas budget. Vegas is wildly expensive now. Like to rent a car in Vegas, it's five or six hundred dollars. And I'm not talking like to rent something tricked out. I'm talking just like a beater to get around in. What I've noticed though, the rooms are still fairly cheap. But well, then that's part you of it. pay for it in food. Like a McDonald's like McChicken is like seven bucks. Really? Yeah. Out in Vegas? Interesting. More and more of these places are closing early, too. It's crazy. All right, uh, let's hear from uh, the coordinators. Let's start with Donnie Kirkpatrick. He was asked off the jump about getting the offense the way back, the, the way back they played against SMU. It's totally like last year. What an odd question. Here's how Donnie answered it. We were really rolling that day. That's true. And you'd love to recapture that. I, 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 don't, I don't know. It, it's the same scheme. You know what I'm saying? It's not – the same defense that we've played the last two weeks. So, you know, some of the plays are different because you have to attack the defense. Uh, but I think that day we just seemed to be relaxed and we seemed to be very confident uh, on every side of the ball and in, in the kicking game as well. And I just think our kids had just decided to go out and have fun and play. We didn't talk a great deal about the end results. We talked about the process all week. And uh, – they went out and had a good game. I think maybe, you know, uh, we've maybe emphasized winning maybe too much. I think everybody wants to win so badly right now that maybe that's just the process and it's weighing us down. We're just not playing good enough to beat good football teams. And we played a really good team week one. And I don't know how good a team South Carolina is overall. All I know is defensively they're pretty good. You know, and that's what we'd said. And they turned out to be every bit as good as we thought they would be. Maybe a little bit better, to be honest with you. So there's a lot here on kind of Holt Nailers in our next. So, uh, ref, take note. We're going to be jumping around a little bit here. We are going to start with uh, Donnie Kirkpatrick and cut two here on his analysis of Holt Nailers through two games. Well, that has been the whole point of emphasis, you know, play like that every week, which I don't know if you can play like that every week or not. Some of that's circumstantial. Some of that's got to do with the defense. A lot of that's got to do with the players around you as well. Again, he was very close game one to, to doing a pretty good 
pretty good game. I mean, like I say, it's not a statistical game to the coaches. I know it is to the world because that's how you can measure or whatever. Does it's just win the game or you don't win the game. You know, but, you know, game one, he threw for right at 300 yards, and, and he threw four touchdowns. We should, the two they took back, he earned those. You know what I'm saying? So you, you can't do anything about that. Uh, now, Saturday, we didn't get those opportunities. He didn't. There were some things he could have surely done better. You know what I'm saying? He'd be the first to say that. I think he's already said that. we got to help him a little bit. we got to play better around him. Right now, I think we get something going, and then – he, okay, he makes a he makes one bad throw. For example, the game started out. We score on the first play. Everybody's good. Okay, uh, we get it back. Two plays don't don't do a lot. We have a third down. We have a guy wide open. He does a great job. Makes a check. He gets pressure. He steps up. Makes a high throw. Now the receiver didn't. Robbie judged the ball very well. Could have helped him a little bit. Sometimes you know the, those guys can can help you out a little bit. Come out the next series. We pop a couple runs. We move it. We're already down there, kind of almost to the red zone. We throw a great route, unbelievable route. He hits it dead. He throws a dime. Kid drops the ball. So he's made one bad throw. Now the guys drop the ball the next time. That's a scoring opportunity. You know, it was just like that the whole game. Made a bad decision here. You know, will you pay for it because nobody's erasing those mistakes right now. So uh, when you're playing good people, you can't make those mistakes. But it's a typewriter effect. It's this guy. It's this guy. It's him. It's definitely him. Okay. But it's just, it's not just him. You know what I'm saying? I know everybody wants to – it'd be nice if you could just say, okay, we can just move that piece out, everything's good. If that was that easy, we'd already done that. Some interesting, interesting comments there at the end. Interesting comments there at the end. You know, I was going to have him comment on the on the interception, but I think the, the prudent thing to do in this pirate report right now would be Donnie at cut seven, which is – home games just some things and, and I mean I know what the coaches are saying look they know more about the ins and outs of football than I know it just looked to me like he didn't play very well against Appalachian State and people who don't know squadoosh about football could tell you he didn't play well against uh, South Carolina made some bad bad decisions but I want to hear this basic Garcia cut because this to me is a great piggyback to what we just heard at the end of that Donnie Kirkpatrick cut let's hit it well, I think Mason's doing good. You know, we had Coach Shore, who, you know, this GA with me and helps out and played quarterback for me. We're talking uh, last night about, well, how much better he is and how far he's come. You know, somebody else asked me, did you think about putting Mason in the game? I was like, we were winning the game. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing, win the game. Nobody's going to take the starting quarterback out when you're winning the game the whole game. It looked like we were going to maybe blow them out you know, for most of the game. So that's not the time to make the change. There could come that time. Now, I think that Mason's getting ready to go. He's ready to go. I mean, he didn't, he didn't think he's not ready. And I don't know that it's, he's not ready. I just think Holton's still the better player right now. Well, that's interesting um, because we were led to believe that Mason Garcia still had a ways to go. And just hearing him there, he says Garcia's ready to go. He's just not our best option to win yet, which may be his code for he's not really ready to go. They had to break Mason Garcia totally down and build him up. The, the natural ability and skills were there, but he did not play in a system in coming out of high school that was anything that really developed him as a quarterback. He was an athlete. That's basically what he was in high school. He's a great high school quarterback, but for what they want to do at this level, he's had to really reinvent himself in a lot of ways, and I, and I think that's part of the, the process there. We may not see him this year because you could redshirt him this year. 
Then you'd have four more years of it. We'll see. All right, uh, our pirate report continues on. I know you wanted to play six. I, I want to go back to five because I, I assume the pick there, you were there, so I'm assuming the pick they're talking about here, Philip, is the pick six at the end of the half, which was a hideous throw. I mean, it's just a very basic throw, and it just was a bad throw. So this is Donnie Kirkpatrick talking about that. What happened was Raji didn't block the guy. That's his guy. He has to block that guy. Then he got a release for the screen, so the guy's bearing down on you. So he threw it kind of quick, hit him in the chest. And, boy, when you got the bad luck going, the ball ricocheted all the way over here to a kid, and there's nobody in tackle position. You know what I'm saying? When you're on the lucky roll, that ball falls in the ground, I guess, or, you know, whatever. So, But we, we missed the play. We didn't block the guy the way the play was supposed to be blocked, so he had to throw it. Yeah, in hindsight, you say, Houghton, don't jam that ball in there. Take the sack. Throw the ball in the ground. We punt it. We go in up 14 to nothing. That could have been the difference. There's there's six, seven, eight, nine, ten plays in the game, though, that could have been the difference. So when Mike Houston talks about these running backs need to block better this week, obviously that's kind of what happened there. Now, I mean, Holt still made the throw. Uh, this is uh, Kirkpatrick on Ehlers being focused this week. This is cut six. He's been very focused. You know what I'm saying? He's been very, very focused. He's been a little quieter, I think, than normal. You know what I'm saying? I think he's blocking the noise out a little bit, staying focused. He's had bad games before. You know, I don't know if that's good or bad. I guess it's bad on one hand. He's had bad games before. But he's usually come back from bad games and played pretty well. I'm still pretty confident in him. You know what I'm saying? I, I really am. All right. Uh, let's get in this update on uh, C.J. Johnson's health. C.J. was bothered by abdominal issues in practice last week. He was a go for the game. But, you know, C.J. Johnson hasn't been what we thought he would be as of yet. Really hasn't been that way for the last last season, whatever that was, and, you know, this season and the couple of games so far. So before we turn our attention to the defense and get some of those cuts in, let's play this cut here. This is Donnie Kirkpatrick, Pirate Offensive Coordinator on the health of C.J. Well, C.J. has practiced all week. He's feeling much better. He had a little bit of an abdominal, you know, strain at the end of the week. Uh, truthfully, we weren't sure he would play. We hoped he would. Uh, if he would have practiced all week, he would have been the guy that caught the first touchdown. You know, teach you not to be out there, I guess, and not get hurt. But uh, yeah, this week he's been been much better, feeling better. So we, we, we are trying to get him to go. Like I say, the fourth play of the game, we threw him the ball. You know, who knows? If we could get him that ball, maybe we could get him going a little bit. Maybe we could get some confidence going and get him and Holton back on the same page a little bit. You know, they used to have great chemistry. That was just a bad pass, though. I mean, that that was – that's not C.J.'s fault. That was just a horrible pass. Oh, yeah, I think somebody on the sidelines caught that ball. Yeah. Uh, but I hear what he's saying there. All right, let's get a few Blake Harrell cuts in here. Uh, obviously, Marshall is a team that wants to run the football. So this is Blake Harrell on the stop-run-still-first mentality of the Pirate defense. Cut nine. It doesn't. I mean, at the end of the day, we want to, you know, stop the run. Uh, if you don't ever stop and run, then you're on your heels all the time. And, and that's last week, that's week one, week two, week three, all, every week this season. It'll be the same. And then you get them in second long, third and long, and give yourself a chance, and that's winning first down, uh, whatever that may be. Now, these guys, may, they may throw it on first down, so you won't, still want to win that. But uh, we got to be run sound first. You know, you may put a few calls in there where, hey, you, you want to cover up some guys and double some guys up, do some things there. But you still got to make sure you get downhill, trigger against the run, and, and that's got to be our number one emphasis, whether it's um, Marshall, 
or whoever may be playing. All right, this is a lengthy cut. Might be the only one we have time to get in with uh, Blake Harrell, but uh, he talked about the improvement from week one to week two for this Pirate defense, cut 11. You know, from week one to week two, I thought we made improvement, um, and we got to make consistent improvement throughout this season. It can't be, hey, week two was our best week. Um, you know, we did a better job of going back and hey, focusing our fundamentals, triggering downhill against the run game. Um, and then I thought we did some decent jobs matching routes up in the, in the past game. So, um, and then was, we, our blitzes were much better last week, you know, just timing those things up and hitting those and actually look like we're blitzing. We are blitzing. Um, so we, we made some improvements there, but we still got to get, you know, there's some things we can still get better at. And, and late in the game, we can, we go consistently trigger and, and consistently don't hesitate, you know, consistently we're hesitating a few times late in the game and we got to get back downhill and get back to our fundamentals and, what we did in the first half that was help stopping the run and those things. So that's our big focus this week is, hey, we made improvement from week one to week two. Can we make that much improvement from week two to week three, whether it's inside backers, you know, D-line, secondary, as just a group and as a unit. So and it's the same th- three things really goes back to, hey, can we raise our effort even higher? Can we play with better energy? Can we play with better execution? So those are the three things that, that we really focus on and, and we hit home with, you know, the details of third down, red zone, Stopping the run, first down, shots down the field, all that comes within that. More from the coordinators tomorrow. Also on the Patrick Johnson Show, our Football Friday edition, you'll hear in our Pirate Report some comments from Coach Houston. Today's Pirate Report is brought to you by Pair Customs. Superior boats at an affordable price at 21 feet and 24 feet center console. Get your next boat the way you want it. Pair Customs. By Eastern Plumbing, setting the standard for quality service for over 15 years. Find out more at easternplumbingonline.com. Main and Mill Oyster Bar and Tavern in downtown Winterville. Great food and specialty drinks and craft beers. And also by Pitt Greenville Airport. Convenient and comfortable to Charlotte and then anywhere on the globe. That is today's Pirate Report ahead of ECU and Marshall. 48 hours-ish away from the kickoff. Uh, What's going on around uh, Pirate Nation and beyond? Well, let's find out. Here he is, the ref, Philip Pilkington, ahead of Keith Morehouse from uh, television up in Huntington, joining us on the show. Take it away, Philip. Thanks, Patrick. Philip Pilkington here with your 94-3 The Game Sports update. Week three in college football starts tonight as Louisiana Lafayette hosts Ohio. The Raging Cajuns are favored by 19.5, and the over-under in that game is 56.5. Week two in the NFL gets underway as well as the Washington football team hosts the New York football giants. Washington is favored by three despite no Ryan Fitzpatrick in tonight's game. Taylor Heineke, former Carolina Panther, will get the start. The over-under in that one is 40 and a half. The NHL has announced that the Buffalo Sabres and the Toronto Maple Leafs will face off in the Heritage Outdoor Classic on March 13th. Buffalo will be the first U.S.-based team to play in the Heritage Classic. It is traditionally only Canadian teams. Live now as the playoffs are right around the corner in Major League Baseball, there is plenty to keep an eye on. The San Francisco Giants look to keep their lead in the NL West over the Los Angeles Dodgers. They currently host the Padres, but trail two to nothing. The Padres are fighting for a wild card spot in the National League. Speaking of teams fighting for a wild card spot in the American League, the Yankees and Orioles are tied at 0-0 after the end of the first, and the A's are beating the Royals in the ninth. Back to the National League, the Reds, they're fighting for the final wild card spot as well. They beat the Pirates today one to nothing. Patrick Johnson and Keith Morehouse right after this. 
More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. I can't wait. On your flagship home of Pirate Football, 94.3 The Game and 94.3thegame.com. Happy hours are always a swashbuckling good time with the P-Man. Happy hour for me never starts till after five. Me This is only number three. Let's get back to the Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Keith Morehouse, sports director from WSAZ Television up in Huntington, West Virginia. We've had him on. Uh, always enjoy having him on. Keith, it's great to talk to you no matter the circumstance. Thanks, Patrick, for having me. I always appreciate it. You know you know how I feel about Greenville and uh, my time down there. It's, it's a wonderful place. And good to see the Pirates and the Herd getting back together again, even though they, they should have done so last year. Wanted to, of course, on yeah. the schedule. Yeah. Just didn't happen. So, so they'll be up here this weekend. So that's good. Let's start there. Will, will there be uh... – I read, I guess, where there are members of the uh, 71 Marshall uh, team, the Young Thundering Herd. Uh, that'll be on hand uh, this uh, this weekend uh, up there. Um, so that, that in itself, probably a little bit of the, you know, forgotten part of the story. Uh, but that was the team that played the year after the aviation tragedy. And uh, it, it, who knows, had that group of men not taken the field, who knows if there'd be Marshall football today. Oh, you're you're absolutely right, and and you you hit it on the head. It it was uh, it's the game closest to that date. That date that they uh, won the, their their first home game after the plane crash was September 25th, 1971, and they won it on the last play of the game. It's portrayed in the We Are Marshall movie. Now, the play they actually ran wasn't like the play in the movie, but that's that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, there'll there'll be a lot of people up here. Coach Langle, who's now 80. Six years old, Patrick. He was the coach wow. um, who came the year after that crash, and uh, basically, you know, they they reassembled this team as as well as they could, and so they're going to honor the the players that are still with us. And Coach Lengel's with us. I saw him in in, the, um, in Annapolis two weeks ago because that's where he right. lives now. And of course, yeah. he was the he was the athletics director there for thirteen years, and they honored him at the Marshall Navy game. So. Uh, good. I mean, it's it's good that he's getting recognized. I, I, the farther we get away from that date, and and the more you learn about what they did to keep that program going, uh, one of the most courageous jobs any coach has ever taken. I think I think he probably knew Patrick midway through those years. He probably wasn't going to coach college football again. His record would be, well, I think he won nine. I know he won nine games in, in four years, and so that was the last time he was a college head football coach. So to take that job knowing that what you had to do and you weren't going to win and it was enough just to field a team to go out there, tremendously courageous, and he's deserved all the respect and kudos he's gotten uh, in his career, as, as does the team, to keep yeah. that program going. Because uh, like like you said, and I've said a number of times, if they don't play in 1971, they don't play at all. So I think I think the program goes away. We're talking to Keith Morehouse uh, in, in Huntington. He's uh... – the uh, sports director from WSAZ Television up there, and was behind just a brilliant documentary. You can you can pick it up on WSAZ.com still, I believe. A change of seasons 50 Novembers ago. Again, ECU and Marshall were set to play last year to commemorate uh, the 50th year since the aviation disaster. Marshall and its plane crashing after uh, playing in a game in Greenville while it was heading back to Huntington on descent. 
and uh, that uh, unfortunately was not able to be played last year due to the COVID situation. Uh, Pirates are uh, playing there, of course, this year, and and this is the 50th anniversary of the team that followed uh, there. In the movie, it is portrayed that that 71 team and that the effort to restart things uh, was somewhat frowned upon. Do you remember the community reaction? And for those that don't know, Keith, uh, his father was the voice of the herd. He also died on that plane, uh, that plane accident. Do you remember yourself maybe being a little bit against her? Were you too young? Too young, Patrick, but I, I, I don't really remember the circumstances. I do, you know, I do remember going to that game. That was the first home game, and it was uh, – I remember the big crowd. And, and, you know, at that age, you don't really remember individual plays. I do remember – um, staying after the game and people just kind of reveling in the win. So I, I don't remember all the ins and outs and the, and the um, you know, the tugs and, 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 and the attitudes of should this program go on? Is it too soon? Is there too much pain? Uh, this team is destined uh, to lose just because of the numbers game. So I didn't really find that out until later. But, I, you know, as you think about it, yeah, it's a, you know, they were able to play freshman that year because of the NCAA allowing them to. Otherwise, they couldn't have fielded a team. But you can understand why there'd be some people who say, uh, let's, let's back off this for a little bit. But again, not realizing, I think back then, um, you know, Marshall wasn't a big football school then. Uh, I, I just think if they didn't play it that year, you know how hard it would be to restart that after a year's absence or two years absence. I, I just, I don't know. I just don't think it would have happened. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just, just to have them play that next year and even to win one game was a victory, I think, for that season. Now, and again, remind me how old you were during that year. Not to, I was not. I know it's not polite to ask anyone their age. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just have to. You just have to do some math, right, Patrick? And, yeah, I was, I was nine. So, so, uh, so yeah, it wasn't I, like you were four or five. I mean, you, you know, I, I can remember stuff from nine or ten years old. Not, yeah, not, right, but, right. Oh, I, I remember the night yeah. of the, the tragedy vividly. So, um, yeah, you, you know how it is. You remember significant yeah. events in your life yeah. at certain ages, and but, but yeah, did, so did, did you was, have any uh, anger just as a little kid, or? or you know, it seems like, I mean, we're basically the same generation. It just seems like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it just seems like our generation, not that they think it was any less tragic, but uh, you had the stiff upper lip and you kind of went on living life. I mean, maybe it's different nowadays, maybe not. But, you know, I, I just, I think of a lot of things that happen to kids now, and I'm just amazed yeah. how resourceful young people are and, and, and how, I guess, resourceful we were when we were we were little. I agree. I, you know, at that point, you're just um, you you kind of begin through the course of the days and weeks after that to realize how big it was and how many people right, we lost and, right. uh, and how many valuable. I mean, every every life is valuable, um, but how many valuable members of the community that were gone. Uh, but but, you know, you're kind of you're kind of in your own little world and, and uh, you just know your dad's not coming home. And and our mom, God love her, had to raise six kids uh, on her own. Yeah. Uh, a couple of my older brothers would sisters were were kind of were grown in college but um yeah you just kind of you kind of just soldier on and like you say uh you you put one foot in front of the other and you move on and and you don't really think about the enormity of it until you get older and you get some perspective but you're just in your own little familial blue uh you know circle there and and you just uh, do the best you can and and thankfully i had a a wonderful mom we did and uh, yeah. you know a lot of kids lost both their parents so yeah. yeah it was it was an enormous tragedy and one of course we hope never happens again and uh but it's uh it's just part of the makeup of the university and, and has been and and uh it, that story is is uh is a remarkable story for sure it's certainly something that i think um anybody i mean I, just just having been educated in it 
being an ECU alum and, and being from Kinston, where I guess the plane may have taken off, mm-hmm. if memory mm-hmm. serves. Um, so, you know, you're, and, I, and again, my mom's side of the family is from West Virginia. So there's a lot of, of history about that that I, um, you know, have taken on and learned about beyond the movie and uh, and talking mm-hmm. to you and, and watching your documentary and just in other articles, the great Woody Durham, God rest his soul. I remember talking to him about mm-hmm. it. Uh, he was uh, in TV sports at the time uh, at, at one of mm-hmm. the uh, affiliates. So it's just it's interesting to talk to people about that uh, date and get their perspective and what they remember. Uh, what do you remember most, Keith, on that that night or that day? What, what's the thing that just kind of leaps out at you that you know maybe uh, maybe is anything uh, necessarily significant, but just you know that you remember? Yeah, I guess I guess Patrick, it would just be when we found out. Um, it was just. Uh, me, my twin sister, and my mom, when, when the little crawl came across the screen that there had been an accident at the airport, we, you know, I, I didn't really notice anything about it, but mom, mom kind of, you know, shrieked and then went to the phones. And, and immediately thereafter, I just remember the chaos. I just remember she being on the phone. I remember people coming to our house. I remember we slept at our next door neighbors because it was so tumultuous at our house. And, and I remember, you know, mom being in a room and people going up and attending to her and just the, the grief and the, and, and then you don't realize it as a nine year old until, you know, a day or two later and, and you start to understand, hey, there was a, there was a crash and, and dad's not coming home. So those, those are the moments that, that I think of, um, you know, that I remember most vividly. And then the, the days and months afterwards, I just remember the sadness, you know, around yeah. the community and, and you know the funerals and and uh, just the it just seemed like a a perpetual cloud, I guess, over the city. Uh, and 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 that was for several months. And so maybe you know to have that program restart back in '71 was you know it was uh, you know it was necessary to to keep everybody you know moving ahead. And and it would be a long time before they would win again. But uh, in the end, it was worth it. And um, you know I you mentioned the documentary, and I I thought of you know, one of the more important and, and, you know, fulfilling stories I did in that was, was going down to, to Greenville and yeah. talking to Jim Creech and mm-hmm. Rusty Scales and Richard, Richard Peeler. And I think Richard's coming up this weekend. Several East Carolina players are coming. And I just, I just remember thinking, you know, they, we need to tell their story too. How did they feel? And to this day, you know, they basically said it, it, it impacts them. So uh, you just, like you, like you mentioned that the net of, of how it affects people is so wide and somebody remembers somebody, or I remember interviewing Bobby Bowden, and, and he was offered the Marshall job before yeah, Rick yeah. Colley, the Marshall coach who died in the plane crash. And you hear all these ancillary stories, and, and it's just remarkable how many people are connected or knew somebody or, or uh, how it affects them. So, yeah, just, just those things are, are what I think about today. Warren Keith, coming up, you could check out that, uh, that documentary we're talking about at the uh, WSAZ website. It's still posted uh, there. And uh, it, it's certainly worth your time. It would be worth watching prior to the uh, game. Uh, let's, uh, before we uh, resume with Keith here, we'll get a break in. But before we do, want to make a mention about our uh, pirate partners. ECU coverage is always brought to you by them. Trans Impact, experts at FedEx and UPS bulk rate negotiation. We fix what you can't see. Caribsea Restaurant in Emerald Isle. Exceptional steak, locally sourced seafood, and delicious signature cocktails. Fantastic Sam's Cut and Color. Eastern North Carolina Fantastic Sam's are locally owned and operated to make you look great. And Moore's Old Time Barbecue Chicken and Seafood. Bring the whole family for great food. If it's not Moore's, it's less. 
Wrapping up the PJ Show with Keith Morehouse on the other side. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. What? You want more? All right. On your flagship home of Pirate Basketball. 94.3 The Game at 94.3thegame.com. Getting the Pirate Nation home. It's the Patrick Johnson Show. The drive home should be a delight. Here on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates and Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. It's the fastest two hours in radio. The award-winning Pirate Game Day countdown and our coverage of ECU at Marshall will commence at 3 p.m. on Saturday. Hope you'll join us as we have a Pirate Game Day countdown fueled by Bush Light. I'll be joined with the uh, ECU all-time great, the Hall of Famer, Terrence Copper. So that'll be coming up uh, and coming your way on Saturday right here on the flagship of the Pirates 94.3 The Game. Keith Morehouse is our guest uh, Keith uh, was the guy who put together a really uh, fantastic uh, documentary on uh, the Marshall team that was flying back from Greenville 51 years ago and unfortunately died in uh, that uh, plane crash. The WSAZ homepage, WSAZ.com, you can still go there and check out the documentary uh, on that. And, of course, a lot of it does involve uh, – some stuff that Keith uh, shot here in Greenville, interviews he conducted, et cetera. All right, uh, Keith Morehouse is the guest. Keith, I want to ask you this. Uh, you know, certainly it would have been very easy for you to, when you had the chance professionally to leave, uh, just leave and never go back to Huntington. Um, you know, you, you chose to go to Marshall uh, as a student, uh, and, and nobody would question you for, for doing that. Obviously, you're a talented broadcaster. We've gotten to know your work over the years. I, I'm just curious – what made you want to stay or, 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 you know, apply your craft, your perform your vocation, you know, in, in Huntington? What was the draw? Yeah, it's nice of you to ask, Patrick. I, I, uh, I didn't plan on it, you know. I just, uh, you know, went through school and I got into the broadcast part of it and started out in the news and then got into sports. And um, really it all started to unfold for me uh, in 1996 when uh, Bob Pruitt got to Marshall and that was the first year that Randy Moss was playing and then I got a call from um, a, a real good friend of mine who's no longer with us, Dan Shoemaker, who was an executive at ESPN and he said, how would you like to do the Marshall football and basketball games on television? And, and I was like taken aback. I said, are you kidding me? I, I would love it. So um, our station had gotten the contract and, and that was the first year I started doing football games and, and it just... Um, you know, I, I guess you're right. I guess it just came full circle. And I, I always, in my mind, thought dad was, was, you know, too young. He never got to finish the job. You know, I'm older now than he was right. when he passed away. And so to have that opportunity and to be here when, when the program just, you know, just, you know, took off. I mean, I was lucky enough to, to be, you know, in the booth when Randy Moss was playing and Chad Pennington and Byron Leftwich and, calling those games I was so lucky because when dad got here Marshall as I mentioned wasn't very good it was a basketball school and so I, I just felt fortunate and and I just felt like um yeah I just felt like this is where I was supposed to be and you're right in this business there's a lot of movement you can go places but I, I just felt like um you know I had the opportunity and, and and you know just to be able to to be here and to be a part of the resurgence of, of the program 
and to be able to follow it uh, to where it has come from where it was, uh, I just think is one of those stories that I'm fortunate to have been a part of. And, and that's, that's, I think about that to this day. And I thought about it last year when I was lucky enough to, you know, to put together that documentary. It was 50 years. And I thought, well, you only come around once on a 50 year anniversary. So let's try to do it right. And, and um, for me, it was, it was fulfilling and gratifying and professionally uh, just, just as um, meaningful as anything, you got, anything that I've done in my career. I, I want to look back too at, you mentioned Byron Lefwich. Um, he and David Garrard's careers intertwined in a lot <laughs> yeah. of ways because yeah, for sure. there was a great Marshall comeback uh, and a major ECU collapse in the bowl game, the GMAC Bowl, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. uh, in uh, in Alabama. Uh, gosh, 01, something like that, 2000, somewhere around that time. I'm just doing that off the top of my head. But 01, yes, you're right, 01. So that was, uh-huh. uh, I mean, ECU up huge at the half. And Marshall, yeah, Marshall comes back. Yeah, I think it ends up being either that was the last bowl game Steve Logan coached in. So it was the next to yep. last year, kind of the beginning of the end in some ways for Steve Logan. And uh, but Marshall comes back. That's just another layer in this history that kind of links the two programs together. It does, and and um, uh, you know, I was at I was at the game and covered it, and uh, I remember you know. Well, talking to my photographers, we were walking across the field at halftime. I said, if Marshall's going to have any chance at all, they're going to have to have a defensive touchdown or two. And it turns out they did. They had two two pick sixes um, for to get back into it. And then left with two for, I think, 580 yards that day. And, uh, you know, that's when his stock began to soar. And and he almost felt bad for uh, Coach Logan. I remember the shot of him on the sidelines just with his head in his hands. And, and Garrard played a great game. I yeah. mean, he's just a – monster of a guy at quarterback and it just you're right it just sort of adds to the lure of and there have been a lot of great games with with ECU when you know ECU was in conference USA before they went to the AAC so I, I know that up here there's a feeling that ECU you know is a is a kindred spirit kind of program I see it on, on the stadium down there in the visitor side where they have the memorial to the right, Marshall right. folks that we lost it, it just means a lot to the people here. And, and as I've been down there so many times, I think they feel the same way. You're just tied together because of a tragedy. And uh, it, it's been a really nice, you know, school-to-school rivalry. And right. after the game's played and the 60 minutes are over, the teams shake hands. And, and I think you do appreciate the fact you shake hands and go your own way and you, and you make it back home and everybody is safe. You know, that's sort of the thought I have whenever those two get together. Keith Morehouse is with us, WSAZ Television in Huntington, West Virginia. The other thing I'll say, Keith, is, um, you know, Marshall's kind of had the, the the swing of things in this series, I think three out of the last four, certainly the last two, 11 and 13, up in uh, Huntington. Uh, and I said this after the move to the American, and look, I get it. I get the scheduling thing, but there, there's got to be a way for these programs to play. If not, you know, annually might be too much to ask, but I, I think – Every other year, uh, you know, five out of ten years, however that shakes out. In my opinion, these two programs should be should be meeting with some regularity. Who knows with everything going on again, with uh, <laughs> yeah. things moving around, what may happen. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I just I think there needs to be some regularity in these meetings. I agree, and you know, I've talked to a lot of East Carolina folks over the years, and and. You know, there are some commonalities, obviously, between the two schools. ECU is, is obviously bigger than Marshall. But, you know, they're both not the state school. You know, they're, they're both got to fight for what they get, for the attention, for the coverage, 
for the notoriety for the rankings when they're really, really good instead of, you know, ECU having to worry about North Carolina and, and what they're doing and NC State and, and Marshall having to deal with the West Virginia factor up here. It's, it's, it's tough. And there is a, there is a, you know, a bond between the schools and, you know, where they stand in the whole pecking order in their states. But man, you can't find more passionate fan bases. And I, I'm completely in agreement. And I think everybody up here would be that way. Um, if, you know, if there, if there's a way they could play in a regular basis, I think it'd be great. And, and I think the program would think it'd be great as well. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, how do you see this, uh, this year's matchup, uh, going Has given us a little bit of a primer on Marshall. Well, they, you know, they came out gangbusters against Navy. I thought they played really well under their new, you know, new head coach, coach Huff. And it's always tough to prepare for that triple option that Navy plays, but Marshall just dominated them 49, seven. And I know that Navy's struggling a bit. They lost the air force, uh, last week as well. And then North Carolina central last week, uh, frankly, the herd was kind of sloppy. Um, you know, they, they probably should have won that game 60 to seven or something like that. Uh, they dropped some balls through a couple of picks, uh, going toward the end zone. Um, so they've got to clean that up. Um, but their defense has been really good just as ECU has. I, I noted, uh, you know, the, the South Carolina game where I thought East Carolina played, obviously they played toe to toe with them and, and probably should have won. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Appalachian State, you know, that's a tough opener as well. So I think it's, I mean, I think it's going to be a good game. I think that, it, Coach Huff said today, Patrick, he said, you know, I, I noticed that we, he meant being Marshall, uh, we had some matchup uh, advantages in, against Navy and against North Carolina Central. He goes, I don't see those advantages against East Carolina. I think it's pretty even. So I, I think that's the kind of game we can expect. Physical, um, whoever can do better against stopping the other team's run will have probably the advantage. And I, mean, I look forward to a really, really good game. Keith, always great to talk to you. Thanks for the time. Hey, Patrick, thank you, and thanks to everybody in Greenville, and, and I look forward to the game this weekend, and, and uh, take care of yourself. Will do. Appreciate it. Keith Morehouse there. Uh, look forward to catching up with Keith again this uh, weekend, ECU and Marshall from Huntington. Uh, our game day coverage, as I mentioned, begins at 3 o'clock on Saturday. Coming up tomorrow, it's a football Friday. Get you to the weekend edition. I'm looking forward to this. Nate Connor scheduled to be with us from D.H. Conley. Uh, they're coming off their first win, so we'll talk a little high school football with uh, Holt Naylor's former uh, high school coach. And uh, guy's done great things with the Conley program in Nate Connor. Also, we're going to be uh, welcoming in uh, Coach Chip Hester from Barton. Uh, their football program got their first official win on Saturday. They got a tough game coming up this Saturday at Catawba, but we'll talk to him. A lot of Eastern North Carolina kids, uh, including some Pitt County kids on the roster. So we'll be uh, with you tomorrow, plus uh, comments with Coach Houston on our Pirate Report. Coming your way at 5 o'clock, it'll be the Patrick Johnson Show. We will see you then. Have a great evening, everyone.